You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, episode 12, with your hosts, Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Happy dozen, Brian. Happy dozen. We made it to 12. 12. Here's to another 12. You got a chance to see the Ant-Man and the Wasp, Wasp trailer. trailer. Mm-hmm. You, saw, you saw that today, and I saw it uh, yesterday. So uh-huh. what'd you think? I'm really looking forward to it, as I have not seen Ant-Man. I have not seen Civil War. I haven't seen a lot of the Marvel movies, but the trailer did a really good job of telling me all the plot points that I need to know without giving away details of the movie. Mm-hmm. I understand the relationships. I pretty much can see who's whom, and so I'm excited. And just the flying Pez dispenser. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Who yes. could not love that? You said you, you hadn't seen Ant Man, and you yep. haven't, and you're yet to see Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. So number one, we got to get you caught up. I know. Desperately, 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 so we need desperate. to get you caught up. But I, I will say, as far as Ant Man, Ant Man was one of those strange kind of uh, movies where, like, not a lot of people necessarily know who Ant Man is. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they started out with Iron Man, and some people knew them, but they thought that's kind of a, a weird superhero movie to do. Mm-hmm. I will say about the the first Ant-Man movie, and normally I wouldn't worry about spoilers this far out, but I don't want to ruin anything for you because you definitely have to see this. But I like the change in the tone of Ant-Man and the Wasp. The first one was more of a heist film. It had sort of that superhero slash heist kind of a movie because... Like Ocean's Eleven meets... Kind of, yeah, uh, meets high tech. Ant-Man was Scott Lang, the main character played by Paul Rudd, was a small-time thief who basically winds up stealing this suit that gives him this ability to shrink, and hilarity ensues. Mm -hmm. Now, I've done, like, a little bit of research, oh gosh, I can't even remember how long ago it was now, about the original Ant-Man, and mm -hmm. knowing that he dated Wasp, and then they broke up, and then Wasp ended up dating Captain America at one point of time. I don't know if this was all canon, or... And I figure it has nothing to do with the cinematic universe anymore, but right. so, uh, that's but, pretty much what I know of. Yeah, so Ant-Man. so basically, the original Ant-Man was Hank Pym, and he's the older guy played by uh, Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. And so, in the original movie, they see him in the ant, ant suit, and Janet was his wife, who was the original Wasp, and something happens to her in the first movie, and so that's mm-hmm. why she's not there. It's but, like a Disney movie. Say what? It's like a Disney movie, sounds like. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a, kind of a Disney movie if, okay. if Bambi's a Disney movie. Yeah, that's every Disney movie. If the mother doesn't die, she doesn't get to raise her kid. Yeah. The original Wasp doesn't die, but again, I don't want to go into too many okay. spoilers, but she's not there. She's not in the picture. She's not okay. in the picture, which is the reason why the daughter, played by Evangeline Lilly. Of Lost. Of yes. Lost. Mm-hmm. Her father doesn't want her playing around with the suit, but Scott Lang, he's cool with because he doesn't really care that much about this guy. What I really enjoyed about the movie, and it had its, I will say it did have some faults. I thought there was, as a writer, there was some really good opportunities. They could have ratcheted up the tension, which they didn't do. Mm-hmm. I really did enjoy the film. And one of the things I really liked about it is there is a well-worn Hollywood cliche 
that it managed to avoid, which is you have a male, you have a female that are of similar skills, or even a, a situation where you have a the female character who's obviously more competent in the situation than the male is, which yes, in, in that Ant-Man... hardly ever happens. I mean, well, the, the woman's it, always the one who goes, what do we do now? But even in the movies where, and there are more than where the woman character, a secondary character, is actually more competent than the male lead. But what happens is the male winds up getting to prove themselves because the female get, gets caught in a situation. They get trapped. They need to be rescued. Tied and, to a railroad track. And... Yeah, you know, so. But Ant-Man avoided that. Evangeline Lilly, she did not need to be rescued, and he didn't need Excellent. to rescue her. Mm-hmm. In the Joseph Campbell description, she's sort of like a doorway character. She's the person he has to prove himself to. Okay. She's the one who basically puts him through his paces and gets him up to speed and allows him to become a hero. But never is there a point where he has to turn around and rescue her. She's very much a self-rescuing princess. Oh, nice. Which is why it's really exciting to see her finally to take a lead in this movie and to be... She's not a sidekick. She's easily his equal and probably more capable than Scott Lang is. So it's going to be interesting watching that dynamic play between these two people especially when again she's she's much more capable and she's got better gear so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that seemed a pretty cute little exchange there oh, the, between... yeah, she's, she's got wings yeah and blasters oh you didn't have that technology for me so yeah i had it <laughs> but the interesting thing about ant-man the original one was it started to introduce cosmic elements to the marvel cinematic universe of course we had guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. but this was like the first time when we were really dealing with the universe on a quantum level alternate reality mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff which for ant-man it's like oh he just gets small but it goes a lot deeper than that mm-hmm. it really started to introduce more of those cosmic elements where this isn't honey i shrunk the kids or no because he goes a lot farther than that mm-hmm. so you're, it's really starting to lay the groundwork for what would be phase four which is supposed to be way more cosmic with dr strange you really delve into the alternate universes and, and all of that type of a thing the seed of that really started with ant-man and so i am really excited to see what they do with the next one it looks like the main villain is going to be ghost which used to be uh, an Iron Man villain. Ghost is basically a techno-terrorist. It'll be interesting to see how that plays off, and we saw Lawrence Fishburne. He'll be playing Goliath, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to Black Panther. Yes. I, the reviews are starting to come in. They, they've had their opening night, and everything is just like, it's all roses. I even read somewhere, someone said that this could be the salvation of the blockbuster. This that is, is a bold statement. Yes. Not that I doubt it. It's just, it's a very bold statement to make in this day and age, and I'm, so that makes me even more excited to see it. I've been excited because of just the raw talent that they had in front of and behind the camera. I, I was reading an article that made a really good point that I hadn't thought of, is that this is going to be the first instance in a mainstream movie where we see a genre which has been mostly a literary genre, Afrofuturism, a science fiction world that deals mostly with people of color. There's a, there's a good amount of that in literature, mm-hmm. but of course we've never seen that. Not on screen. Not yeah. on screen, mm-hmm. and now we're going to really get a big. chance to see that. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really thought of that, but it's even though it's not something that takes place technically in the future, of course, Wakanda is very technically advanced. They kind of live in science fiction. But again, it's like, this is it's going to be something that's different. It's going to be something that we've not seen in theaters, and I think it's 
it's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to this film, especially because it's not going to look like every other blockbuster that you've seen. Color aside, it's definitely stylistically something that's that's new and fresh, and apparently they just have completely knocked this movie out of the park. Yeah, and like I talked before about it, not knowing anything about the character or the story of Black Panther, when I first saw the trailers of it, I didn't know that it was taking place on Earth. I thought it was on some alien planet with these advanced technologies, and it was you who told me that it takes place in this very advanced society. That's exciting to see. Yeah, it's basically Wakanda had hidden themselves away from the world for a while, and during the issue with Avengers Age of Ultron, Ultron made a body for himself out of vibranium, which is this metal that can only be found in Wakanda. It's what Captain Captain Shield. Mm -hmm. Cap Shield's made Mm -hmm. out of. There wasn't a lot of it, but it's it's part of what allowed Wakanda to advance our technology so far. See, I always thought that Captain America's shield was adamantium. Well, they can't make it out. They can't. Well, they can't in the comic. They did. He did have an adamantium shield, and he Mm -hmm. did have one that was adamantium and vibranium both. But of course, they can't use adamantium right now. Now, because that's right out of the X-Men, but one day soon, (laughs) they might be able to to bring that in. But what's also going to be interesting, and this is something else, is who T'Challa, the Black Panther, winds up marrying eventually. Storm. Ah, of the X-Men. Aurora. Uh-huh. Exactly. They yeah. get married. And so that's a storyline that later on they can they can bring in if they decide to do that. This is going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have that coming up and then Walking Dead will be starting in two weeks. Oh, yes. Oh, heartbreaking. Heart, yeah, heartbreaking. <laughs> so it, we're getting to the crux of the conflict between the Saviors and Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Alexandria, of course, ended up really messed up, but they've done something also that's not in the comics. Well, the thing that's happening with Carl, Carl getting bit Mm -hmm. and possibly dying, none of that's in the comics. And the shame of it is there's some really great things that happen between Carl and Negan over the course of the comics that I guess we're just not going to see anymore. To tell you the truth, I had thought at one time that they that Carl might be the one to get the bat a season ago because I knew he was getting older. I knew there was going to come a time when he wanted to go off to college and that that might be his way to kind of exit him out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, in two weeks, we'll see the beginning of the end of yes. whatever whatever's, whatever's going to come. Happen next. Whatever's going to happen. So. Now, uh, you and I were at ShakaCon this year and hearing two of the saviors who had, were there, they were talking about filming different deaths to really keep people guessing so that they had filmed several different people dying, not just Abraham and Glenn, that they had filmed different people dying. So, hey, maybe... <laughs> Maybe Chandler did end up getting the bat at some time. Yeah. I would like to see that footage somewhere. Well, you <laughs> know, he, he, they used part of it in the season opener when Rick was imagining everybody else getting killed off, getting hit with the bat. <laughs> wow, I, I must have blocked that out, Brian, because I don't remember that. Yeah, because... I don't remember that part of it. Yes, there goes Michonne. There goes, you know, so. (laughs) I don't remember. It must have been too painful and I couldn't watch it or something because I don't remember that happening. I think it was the time when he was. They were in the RV. In the RV. Yes, and And the fog. And and Negan was was taunting him, like, imagine Mm -hmm. what could happen next. And he starts mm-hmm. imagining it, you know, Michonne getting killed, uh, his son getting killed, uh, Maggie getting smashed in the head. Daryl, you haven't had a chance to go to any horror conventions yet. And we, gotta, yeah. of course, we're mm-hmm. gonna have to fix that. But mm-hmm. there's a there's a very popular T-shirt mm-hmm. that you see in a lot of these horror conventions, which says, "If Daryl dies, we riot." We riot, yes. Uh huh. So yeah. and I've seen that a lot. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they've seen somebody's seen those T-shirts and they know. And what's... they're 
<laughs> yeah, that's our that's the uh, the big picket. Like, <laughs> don't don't yeah. don't kill Daryl. And... Don't kill Daryl. <laughs> but what's interesting about Daryl's character is he wasn't meant to last that long because he's not a character that's in the comics, mm-hmm. and he's managed to uh, live a long time. But yeah. again, there's a lot of changes between the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol never was a badass in the comics. Oh, that's pity. <laughs> she, well, exactly. Because Carol is great. Carol is awesome, in the, but in the comics, when stuff needs burned, Carol burns stuff. Boy. She's the one who gets stuff done. But in the comic book, Carol kills herself at the prison by letting a, a walker eat her. Wow. Because okay. she was kind of a messed up character. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. She realized she didn't have any kind of future for herself. And so okay. she died. Her daughter didn't in the comics. And Glenn and Maggie wind up adopting her, oh. Sophie. Yeah. They kind of switched around in there. Speaking, That's a storyline. I might have, I would have liked to have seen that. Now, yeah, yeah it's <laughs> very interesting. I will say this: Fear the Walking Dead, which I don't watch. So, and yeah. I don't, I don't really watch it either. I hear mm. it's getting really good now, mm. but I've heard a couple things. One, there's been some speculation that the storylines in Fear the Walking Dead are going to start merging with, with Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Okay. Mm-hmm. That they're going to start blending them. Now, that's going to mean a time jump because Fear the Walking Dead starts out right at the beginning of the mm-hmm. apocalypse. And, of course, with Walking Dead, there's that time Don't where matter. Rick's in the coma. He wakes up and he doesn't know what's happened, but things are pretty much established by then. Right. And I don't know if you know this part of it, but, but Morgan is showing up in the next season of Fear the Walking Dead. Okay. He's already shot his scenes for this. And a lot of people have been speculating, how in the world did Morgan wind up in Texas? Mm -hmm. How does this work? Because they're trying to figure out the timeline because the timeline's skewed, obviously. But also, the pictures of him on set, he's carrying his stick. Right, so it's between the goat goat episode and, yeah. Right. Uh And so they're wondering, where exactly in the timeline does he fit in? That means they're going to have to do a big time jump in Fear the Walking Dead. But... But since we were talking about Carol, here's the second thing, is that there was rumors that Melissa McBride was on the set of Fear the Walking Dead. She was just visiting. Sure, sure she like, was. She, yeah, she just went from <laughs> Georgia to Texas just to say hi. So we'll see. have to see what happens there. But I know Melissa McBride at one time was a casting person, and has she ever produced, or maybe she wants to direct? I don't know. I would trust her. I would. I think she'd be. I think she'd be. An <laughs> I would awesome absolutely director. trust her. I would, yeah. I think she'd be an awesome director. I. Th- mm-hmm. I would love to see her direct something. I'd love to see her direct a, an episode of The Walking Dead or direct anything. I think. Mm-hmm. I think she'd be fantastic. Now I mentioned this last week, so let me preface this by okay. saying when I talked to you last week, I said I had something that I wanted to talk to you about because this has been something. I been thinking about for a while and i may have gotten a little bit crazy with this just a little Uh, just a little but i Mm want to and i'm not saying i got as crazy as max landis did with the whole deal with uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. Jepsen. So, but it, this is something I've been thinking, as a writer, this is somebody who who's really into geek culture. This is something that I've been thinking about for a while because to me, the idea of geek culture and people really embracing something that they love a great deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is obviously- Healthy obsession. A healthy obsession. Healthy obsession with something. Yeah. Definitely somebody who's a writer who wants to put out books. I would love to help that kind of geek culture around stuff that I do. So obviously- what drives that type of thing interests me. And I think really in this podcast, we, you know, we spend time looking at what drives this geek culture and wh- where people get their passions from. But I was thinking about this and I started with this premise. 
that the hipster is a subculture of the geek. Now, for those listening who may not know what a hipster is, they would never call themselves hipsters, by the way. That's definitely an outside term. But a lot of people kind of think of the hipster as somebody who started in Portland, Oregon. These are people that go into the coffee shops very snooty about their coffee. They like to go to thrift stores. They like to wear older clothes because they're not popular. They're really into vinyl, that sort of thing. But the one distinguishing characteristic about the hipster, the things that they're passionate about, they don't really want a lot of other people to be passionate about. If they're, okay. they're always talking about, if they're into something that has kind of gotten into the zeitgeist of popular culture, they always say, well, you know, I was doing it before it was cool. Before, mm-hmm. Like the old joke, where how did the hipster burn his tongue? He drank coffee before it was cool. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Whoever wrote that joke needs like their face <laughs> cut off. I don't know. But I've been thinking about that a lot as far as, is the hipster just another kind of geek? And I've been thinking about this for a while, and I've come to the conclusion that maybe the hipster is not necessarily just another form of geek. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of people who have passions about certain things that they're not considered geeks. Mm-hmm. For example, is there such a thing as a NASCAR geek? <laughs> yeah, it, that's kind would of hard. Would they call to... themselves that? I oh, mean, I don't yeah. think that they would. And because here, here's the thing. Could they tell me who won the Whiskey 500 yeah, that, in, in 1985? They probably yes, could. Yes, they could. They absolutely could. But geek. I think that, exactly. <laughs> but here's the thing. I think that the word geek comes from a certain type of interest. Supposedly, there's no such thing as a football geek or a NASCAR geek. Although They're they, fans. They're fans, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think... Geek is a term that was derogatory that I think uh, that geek culture has sort of embraced. But as I thought about this whole thing about hipsters and geeks, things kind of changed for me. And this is what I'm kind of thinking now. Okay. Is that hipsters aren't just another type of geek. Hipsters are the dark shadow of the geek. Dark shadow. Are we talking Barnabas Collins? Well, here's (laughs) here's what I'm thinking. Because here's the problem with hipsters. Their passion, they don't like to share with anyone. What they're into, maybe a few of their friends they want them into, but the minute it starts drifting into culture, they start getting really upset about it. They want people out of their fandom. They want to be clandestine. They want to yeah. be exclusive. They don't want people who haven't earned the right to be in that situation uh-huh. to be in that situation. Now, here's the thing. You look at geeks. They like when other people like their yes. stuff. and they want to share it with everyone. Sometimes. But there have been moments when geeks have turned into hipsters. Comic-Cons, San Diego. Mm -hmm. How many geeks have you heard argue the fact that it was so much better when it was just comic books Um. and not everybody went to it? A lot of geeks hate the Big Bang Theory because it basically uses their culture and talks about them, but it's a mass-marketed, popular show. It's it's one of the most popular shows on television. Mm -hmm. And a lot of geeks hate that show. Wow. I don't watch it, so yeah. I don't hate or like it. You don't have so an opinion of it. I have but no opinion. the best example, I mean, those were good examples, but here's the best example, is how geeks treat girl geeks. Mm. Not very well. Especially if they're like cosplayers yes. or they're... Then they become every other type of... If a girl's dressed up, you know, and I can see her stomach, I should be able to touch her stomach. <laughs> yeah. But I think the biggest problem that I see, where the way that some male geeks treat female geeks, is this belief that they may dress up like this character, but they don't really know anything about them. They're just doing it because it's popular. To which <laughs> my answer would be, so what? Yeah, well... <laughs> Who cares if you don't know about the character? <laughs> well, I think, in a, in a sense, I don't think it's fair. I think that... I think girl geeks geek out about their stuff, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so... It seems to me that sometimes geeks, if they're not careful, they can turn into hipsters. The hipster is just a geek with a red lightsaber. (laughs) 
and maybe I'm wrong about that. I think that there's a point where sometimes geeks go astray, where they feel like they don't want to be inclusive, that somebody else isn't good enough to geek out on what they geek out on, for whatever reason that is. And when that happens, I feel like they're kind of turning into that into yeah. hipsters. But at the same time, maybe by saying, hey, you know, careful there, you're starting to turn into a hipster. Maybe <laughs> maybe people stop oh, doing calm that. Calm down, yes. Going back to Black Panther, there's been all this talk about geeks are going to have to watch this movie, even though it's got a bunch of black people in it because it's Marvel. <laughs> But it's not just about that. The one thing I said when I was on Facebook, I posted a USA Today column about the great reviews that Black Panther was getting. And I made the comment, this is the reason why art of all forms benefits from as many voices as possible Mm -hmm. being involved. Black Panther, because of how it was cast, how it was written, the director, and just the subject matter makes it different than everything else, and that's good. Mm -hmm. And I'm not being a magnanimous white guy by saying that we need to have more women and more people of color. I'm saying this because I'm selfish (laughs) in the fact that I like great stuff, and silencing voices does not get me great stuff. It denies the same thing over and over and over It denies me great stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't care if somebody has only started watching Doctor Who with Matt Smith Mm -hmm. and they've never seen a Tom Baker episode in their life. That's fine. We all have to go in at our level. I mean, I started with You're going to tell them that they're wrong. No, no, I'm not. (laughs) Because you have the right, in whatever you're into, you have the right to like whatever you like. Yes, we neo-Whovians versus you orthodox Whovians. Exactly. (laughs) But, and that doesn't stop somebody from going back and watching the Tom Baker episodes. Not at all. But I started watching with Tom Baker, so I hadn't seen anything with William Hartnell or Mm -hmm. Troughton or Pertwee. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen any of those characters and went back and watched them and found them fascinating and fell in love with them too. But I think sometimes as geeks, we have to be careful Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to judge other people and to say, well, you know, they haven't earned their stripes. But we all have to start somewhere. I think basically what I'm saying at this point is it's cool to be a geek. Maybe not so cool to be a geek hip. So (laughs) check yourself. Be willing to share. Because we all benefit when that happens. If they haven't earned their stripes, say, get in my platoon. I don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't get military references. uh, If you're into G.I. Joe. Yeah. That's your your geekdom, whatever. Jump right in. Join my group. It takes a lot of different types of people to make a fandom. And I think we benefit when we're inclusive. And I think where geek culture has gone wrong when it's gone off the rails is when they've forgotten that. And they've started turning hipster. And so let's go anti-hipster in geekdom. Let's just do that. And I think we're going to get a lot more cool things like Wonder Woman and Black Mm -hmm. Panther. And I can't wait to see what's next. Awesome. So there you go. Well, that should be it for this week's episode. And I want to thank you again, Mandy, for coming out. But until next time, this is Brian J. Hatcher for Mandy Petrie, reminding all of you that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of your own inner geek. See you next time. Thanks.